Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the favorite jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, flautist from Mount Vermont, New York, Reagan Whiteside. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Miss Whiteside with us. Yes, I asked her ahead of time to make sure I say the name correctly. And ma'am, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Could you please introduce yourself to the people and then we get into it? Sure. Uh, I'm Reagan Whiteside. I am a soul jazz flautist. I've been doing it a long time independently. Um, I'm classically trained. My degree is actually in classical music performance, but uh, I went into jazz after after college. Long story. We'll get into that, maybe. Um, yeah, I have uh, six albums. I've, I'm on a, a streak. I hope that I can continue this streak of uh, eight top 10 billboard hits. Um, and I have a couple of billboard number ones and uh, yeah, just a couple. Image Award. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I like how you're just saying it like that. Yes. <laughs> um, Image Award uh, nominee. And um, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. I have okay. two kids. Love life. That's good. <laughs> I have no kids. I love life. So, ma'am. <laughs> there it is. One thing I have to say is like, I first found out about you when you were playing on Billy Copeland's album because. Really? I love Billy. Ah. In terms of drummers that are alive right now, he's my favorite. Yes. 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 <laughs> so just the fact you got on that, and of course I'm reading through every single credit on the Leonard notes, even though it's hard to find nowadays. I didn't yeah, know your yeah. name. Look you up. And then I find out that there's a whole jazz music awards. And I was just like, yeah, yes. I don't know about this. And then you won Best Contemporary Artist. So could you add to mm -hmm. you? Thank you. A failure you. on my part that I didn't even know about this award show. <laughs> well, it was the first one. So okay, that makes pass. me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who started it then? Uh, it was started, uh, it was spearheaded by WCLK, um, but then it kind of grew and it became like a consortium of a lot of different musicians, radio people, um, business people, people who love jazz and um, and everybody kind of saw that there was a void there where um, jazz did not have its own platform for an award ceremony. You know, you have the country music awards, um, you have the uh, Latin music awards, you have all the stuff, but nothing for jazz. And uh, we just have this little teeny weeny little category in, in the Grammys that may or may not make it to TV. Yeah, so, it's not making um, TV. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about that last episode. <laughs> you know, it depends. It, it really depends. But more than likely, you know, nine times out of ten, it's it's going to be on the pre-show. So, um, you so, know, we, we uh, everybody thought that. Was this on TV? Was that was needed. I'm sorry? Was this on TV? Uh, not yet, no. But uh, I do know that it is being shopped. Oh, yes. So we so, might actually have yeah. a jazz show, a war yes. show on television. 
Absolutely. Okay, that's Absolutely. a huge accomplishment. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you know, you got to get one off first so that people can say, oh, yeah, no. oh, this is successful. I'm more than happy that we happens. We can get on board. Because like yeah. I said, last episode, <laughs> me and this our nice guest was ripping on the whole Grammys. And we were saying all oh. the problems we have with it. Okay. Mm, mm. Yeah, he won one. Okay, so he's, he's classified to say, you know, qualified <laughs> I mean, to say that. I, I guess so. I just remember uh, Fiona Apple uh, won something back in the day, and she went off on the Grammys, and nobody's heard from her since. So, uh, um, but you also got to remember, we are such a small part of the music spectrum that mm, most of them don't mm-hmm. even know who we are. True. So it, true. does it really matter that I have a jazz podcast where I rip on jazz all the time? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I actually have a jazz podcast, and thank you to everyone smart enough to listen, but I have over 100 episodes, so I'll thank you all of them. Thank you to my engineer also. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, awesome. So just the fact that they have this award show, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it does grow, and people look at it and have a best new artist, a best contemporary artist, which you want. A best mainstream <laughs> artist, a vocal artist. Yeah. So I actually like what they're doing there. I, I can't really yeah. knock it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, it's a work in progress. You know, this was pretty much like a, a prototype, if you will. So, you know, I'm the, the categories will probably get a little broader, you know, to, you know, include more of the many subgenres of jazz and everything because I, I did hear some grumblings that oh well you know I'm not sure you know if I qualify in this one in this category or in that category so um you know it's it's always going to be a work in progress just like the Grammys you know they're always adding and taking away and changing the rules and that was and another updating, I was complaining about that <laughs> updating the rules and and creating um you know just new new spaces to to do they have a music, voting process so. and all that stuff? Yes, yes. Uh, it was, um, I believe it was a third party voting. They had a committee. Oh, they had a private um, committee. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would tell everybody that actually has albums and all my guests to join it if they had a, like a panel like they do for the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a little different from the Grammys, though, I think. Um, obviously not quite as large of a, of a pool. But again, I don't really know how it works. So it's like, all right, you know, um, but the Jazz Music Awards, um, I think there may have been some categories that had public voting and then others um, had like, you know, a panel of like, I don't know, 200 people or something like that. So, um, yeah. Okay. That is learn something new every day. So mm-hmm. your latest album, Thrill Ride, you said you had yeah. eight number ones off this? No, <laughs> no. Um, I've had one number one off of it. Um, Which one? The half court press? I mean, the full court press. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thrill Ride. It's oh, Thrill a, Ride. the title okay. track that went to number one. Um, the other one off the cuff that was a top ten. I can't remember. Might have been a top five. I can't remember. But um, and the then problems you have. <laughs> <laughs> and full court. Um, we're. At 13 this week. Okay. That one. So, really you know, like. I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that. Yeah. And too bad your hawks are out. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that actually yeah. did really like the album. Well put together. You did a cover Thank of a you. Stevie Wonder song. I always like when they do at least one song that everyone could recognize. 
Mm-hmm. So that's impressive. And so it just turns to this. If you're just dominating the billboard charts in a way, like you're known, <laughs> you're on the charts all the time, what is the next goal then? Hmm. I think to kind of branch out, um, you know, and then into other genres and everything, still stay with the uh, contemporary jazz. But, you know, I definitely wouldn't mind getting into pop or hip hop or, you know, um, I'll even do rock. I've I've played in plenty of rock bands, plenty of Jethro Tull cover bands. So, you know, I'm really um, I, I just take what comes, you know, whatever looks interesting, sounds interesting, and is a challenge. I'm I'm ready for it. So okay, and we, I was telling you before we had Miss Younger on. I one of my favorite modern artists right now. Mm-hmm. So you're going to try to match her and get into all those type of fields? Yeah, why not? You know, um, Brandy, Brandy and I have had many many conversations <laughs> back in the day about you know various genres and and just how to how to get through all of this stuff especially with the instruments that we play you know it is we play these niche instruments and her instrument the harp is even more niche than mine so um you know it's it's both a, a blessing and a curse because on the one hand you can pretty much do anything because nobody knows what to do with you and then on the other hand it's like now you have to convince people that what you're doing on your instrument makes sense I guess, but if, even one thing I would say about her is like when I told the people she's coming on and I just listed the song she played on, they're like, oh, yeah, that is a harp. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, she blends in, I guess. But how would you do that for the flute? Because everyone knows what a flute is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never thought about blending in. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. I just do what I do. <laughs> And if you like it, awesome. If not, it's not for you. Okay. You know? One other thing on that album I need to know is Bob Baldwin. So yeah. he worked with Grover Washington Jr. on this mm-hmm. one album my father used to love. Yeah. And he was on that. Grover Washington Jr. did like a legit soul drum, machi- drum machine version of Take 5. And my father mm-hmm. loved that version. Mm. So just that whole album, I know Bob because I used to read the dinner notes like a loser mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. so how did you meet him how did you get involved with him yeah bob i was um i had just graduated from college and um and i was didn't i didn't i knew i didn't want to do classical music anymore even though i had just graduated with this and i got wonderful classical performance degree why did i leave classical music yes and um, why? yeah go do that one first why okay <laughs> well you know what when I started playing uh, the flute when I was about eight, seven or eight, um, you know, I, did, I was doing it for fun. And then it was like, hey, I want to I want to start playing like, you know, kind of pop music. And, you know, and I got this this um, this book. It was movie soundtracks. So, you know, it was the themes from Superman. Can you read my mind? And, you know, Footloose. And yes, I was an 80s kid. But um, yes. Uh, so, and then I wanted to go into jazz. And so classical music really wasn't on my radar for flute. You know, I was playing it on piano, but, uh, for flute, I wanted to do jazz. And so as I got older, um, and my parents said, oh, you're actually sticking with this, huh? So, 
uh, they got me private lessons. My teacher was like, you're going to play classical music. And I said, I want to play jazz. And I said, well, you can, you can play jazz later. Why don't you get your foundation in classical music? And so I was not thrilled, but I did it anyway. And I started to get good at it. And then I started to like it. And, um, I, you know, once you get into the groove of things and the momentum of it, I said, okay, you know, and then I saw Kathleen Battle, uh, opera singer, believe it or not, uh, at the, uh, at Lincoln Center. And I was at a dress rehearsal and I saw her and she was just so regal and her voice was so beautiful and she had such stage presence and the orchestra was just all over the place. And I was just like, wow, you know, and I really started to fall in love with the whole scene. And so I said, okay, you know, I'm going to go and play classical music. I got to college and I grew up in New York. Okay. And, um, you know, big melting pot. Um, and then I got to college and I was one of six black students at the time. And, um, and I was like, okay, culture shock, but it's fine. I'm good. And, um, and I kept going, but it, it just made everything a lot harder. Um, my support system that I had through high school with the National Association of Negro Musicians and all this stuff, um, it just, they, it wasn't there. And so um, it, it got hard. And then um, I transferred to another school where I was the only black student. And- um, Why would you do that then if it was just bugging you? It was it was free tuition if you got in. Okay. So <laughs> I auditioned, I got in, and um, and it was in Boca Raton, Florida, and it was a mile from the beach, and the dorms were these um, these townhouses, and it had a pool and a gym, and I was just like, what? Yes, sign me up. So um, I so I was I was doing it, and I I played a lot, and I was really enjoying it. I still enjoy playing in an orchestra. Um, being in the middle of an orchestra, you know, you, you, the flute and the oboe—they're smack dab in the middle of the orchestra. You talk about surround sound. It's it's so much fun, and it's so fulfilling. But it's also an enormous amount of pressure. And um, and at the time, there were probably some. Ah, uh, maybe uh, undercover biases. I'm gonna call it. Okay, um, now we're gonna have to challenge this. Let's go. What do you mean by no, undercover biases? No, undercover biases. <laughs> um, and uh, and it got, and just dealing with all of that pressure and the biases and whatever. Um, it just kind of after a while, my heart just wasn't in it the way it needed to be if I was gonna continue in that in that genre. And you experienced this while you're in college. Like, so yes, you're still in college. And I, okay. Yeah, I'm still in college. So I got to my senior year, got halfway through it. And um, in order to graduate, you had to do this concerto competition. And so I had my concerto ready. Um, it was a 20-minute concerto. I knew it backwards and forwards from memory. And, you know, I got in there and I started playing it. About halfway through, I forgot every last note. And um, I just couldn't find it. And the the panel, the judges panel, they were like, well, you know, you're doing very well. You can start again, it's fine. And I said, nah, no, nah, I'm good. And I walked out. And um, 
people were very, very pissed at me. <laughs> and, um, but I just knew, I knew then it was just, it was not happening. It's just, I knew I wasn't, I did. And I think I took one, one orchestral audition after it. And I just, my whole, it just didn't sit well with me. I was getting nervous and I don't get nervous like that. You know, I'm well prepared. I'm confident. And, but I knew just from my reaction to these things, it was like, this is, this is not it. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Was this one of the so, major orchestras? No, no. This okay. was a, um, it was like a feeder orchestra. Okay. Um, so, you know, but basically you go there, you, you do four years and you end up at the Met you know, like one of those. So um, I graduated, went back to New York, didn't know what I was going to do. And um, my parents had gotten tickets to Bob Baldwin's show. And it was at this little club called the August Blue Light in Scarsdale, New York. And, um, you know, so I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll tag along. And it was really, you know, it was a small club, intimate, maybe it held about 100, 150 people, maybe. And um, Bob Baldwin and Marion Meadows and a whole bunch of cats there. I mean, it was just, it must have been about 12 people on the stage. And um, I was sitting right up front and I said, this, this is what I want to do. It's like, I just felt like this whole rush of, duh, this is what you wanted to do before, you know. Um, so after the show, I went up to Bob and I said, listen, you know, I'm a classical musician. I want to make the transition to jazz. Do you have any advice for me? And we ended up talking for a while. And um, and he ended up inviting me to um, a recording session uh, that he was going to in Yonkers like a couple of days later. And uh, he says, I'll call you. And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, but lo and behold, like two days later, he calls. He says, listen, this is the address of the studio. This is the time you need to be there. Bring your flute. So I'm just like, what? Bet. So um, went up there and um, I played Stevie Wonder's. Um, God, what song was it? It was... Uh, more and more and more. Um, I don't want to bore you lately because I love you. I love you. I love you. That song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so I played that. Didn't know how to solo yet, though. So I couldn't improvise at that point. You know, I was still stuck on the page. And so um, I ended up playing on a jingle for CD 101.9, which was the smooth jazz station in New York at the time. And um, so wait, so you just literally jumped straight into smooth I jazz? Was, you didn't even I do any dove head first. Well, now, no, I didn't. Well, um, I met up with Bob and Dennis, Dennis Johnson, who is also my producer, songwriting partner, and my husband. He owns the studio. Oh, and um, <laughs> and so between the two of them, you know, they kind of put me in boot camp. So Dennis was showing me how to uh make music with computers midi the whole thing how to run a session how to record bob was showing me how to break every rule that i had just learned over the past 80 years and um so while they're doing that i also joined this all-female straight ahead jazz band called sage and sage it's it's wild when i think back on it um so many people have come out of this, Any that this I group, know. Tia Fuller, 
oh, okay. sax player. Yes. Yeah. Know of her. Um, Kirsten Stevens. She's a, a violinist. Um, Mimi Jones, uh, upright bass. Yes. Um, Bernice Boom Boom Brooks on uh, drums. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Lakeisha Benjamin. Okay. Definitely heard of her. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, and as an offshoot of that group is where I met Brandy Younger. And so um, the, the, the group manager, her name is um, Sheila Baptista. She just had this innate ability to bring together all these female musicians and put them just, you know, in places. And we were all, it was like, that was like a boot camp for all of us too, because we were all, you know, in our early twenties and, uh, you know, just getting out into the, into the scene, into the world. And um, this was just like a lot of dues uh, paying and um, just really cutting your teeth on everything. I I mean, I agree on that, except that if Bob just calls you up and puts you on an album right away, I would say that's Well, I wasn't, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. Well, he put me on a jingle. (laughs) Okay, but it's still. seven notes. (laughs) You know, but yeah, I mean, we, I mean, yeah, we all could play. We were all, you know, um, conservatory um, trained in one way or another, you know, whether it was straight ahead jazz or classical, we all were very solid musicians, just unseasoned. And so we were getting seasoned by doing these gigs uh, with Sage. So um, as time went on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing more. Um, and Bob is producing and Dennis is producing and we're, you know, I became a studio rat basically. And I was just soaking it all in. And, um, he's been my mentor ever since. Okay. I mean, I think that's a great journey so far. It's just not everyone gets that lucky phone call and gets to do jingles. And there are not many, many working studio artists like that anymore. Yeah. It's, um, well, I mean, you know, with, technology That's, you can do it all in your house now yes yeah, so it is email it to you this know. person to this person mm-hmm. so the young person that wants that opportunity makes it that much harder for them yeah maybe but you know you always find somebody in some club or you know whatever um and you take an interest in them for whatever reason and um you know you take them under your wing Okay. You know, it's, it's, you just got to get out there. You know, it, it's <clears throat> it's not going to, you know, studio work is always going to be around. Well, as long as people don't get into this AI nonsense, but. Um, you don't like the AI nonsense? You know what? It's good for certain things. I was about to say. It's so- good for certain things, but it needs to keep, it, they need to keep it out of music. Honestly, they need to keep it out of a lot of different things. I Didn't mean, did you hear the, the music thing? Like My they, God. Someone made an AI Drake song. And it sounds yeah. better than Drake's songs. Okay, we can we can go deep into this. I, now, I, listen, but... let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think that if you try to feed AI um, Oscar Peterson's catalog, right? I don't think you're going to get the real, true human feel 
that you're going to get from Oscar Peterson. I would agree you know, with rap, that. Rap is one thing. No, 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 no. You know, I, said, but, I would agree yes. with you on that. However, mm-hmm. how many people actually want to spend their money to go see a performance live? Those are the well, people we're talking about the AI could take. So you have people who could actually perform in person, actually mm-hmm. want to hear the piano hit. Yeah. Want to hear the pedal from the piano. Yes. But how many people actually want to appreciate that or care for that? I don't know. Ask Beyonce with her $1,000 seats that she keeps selling okay, out. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> That's a want. Her and Taylor Swift. Yes, we understand. And Taylor Swift <laughs> and Jill Scott and Janet Jackson. Jill Scott and- is not is not selling like that. Okay, Janet Jackson well, is. I don't know. I don't I know. I like Jill Scott. I mean- because I just I just went to a, a Joe Scott concert. Now, no, was it State Farm Arena? No, she but can't. Yes, was, I was about to say it was, but it was a, a packed amphitheater, and she tore down the house. You know, she's a talent, and I I'm enjoyed not, it. I'm not saying no to that. I'm just saying <laughs> Jill Scott is not at devil's levels. Now, don't get me wrong. I think any jazz no, she's artist. Not, no, no, she's not is, not at Beyonce level. It, who is? But that, but, <laughs> Any jazz artist selling Jill Scott seats is mm-hmm. like the hero. Mm-hmm. It will be on yeah. every cover. Would be oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I say with the AI thing. Would it help jazz or would it hurt jazz? I honestly don't know. No, nah, I don't want to find out. Did okay. you see the Matrix? If oh okay, you wouldn't really <laughs> want to go that deep. <laughs> they said, but anyway, but. <laughs> that is fair. Okay, deal, deal, deal. <laughs> so, do you have any interest in normal, straight ahead, pure jazz, <laughs> modern any, jazz, whatever you want to call it? Any interest in it? Like um, actually playing it? Uh, Not at all. It seems like I'm. I'm good. You know, I um, I I, I got my uh, my my experience with that for for many years. Um, with that group and um, not that I wouldn't like sit in with somebody if I had the opportunity today, you know, but it's not the place where I'd want to go. It's just not, I just, it doesn't, I don't know. You can say it. R&B, let's put it this way. R&B and Mm -hmm. funk speak to my soul more. That is fair. You and know. don't worry, you don't have to censor yourself here. Trust no, me. No, I'm not. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to be, be particular with my words. So, <laughs> okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so ma'am, there's uh, another few quick questions for you. Since you're a radio personnel, you know, you actually have your own radio show mm-hmm. in one of the major radio stations in terms of Jazz Week. Yeah. Okay. I have my problems with Jazz Week, but it's okay. We're not going. <laughs> they have their own little countdown, and it's just like, uh, but tell the people at least, well, how did you get that gig first? So why did you choose that? It chose me. Oh, it <laughs> I got a call. I got a call from the program director, and he says, well, how would you like to be on the radio? And I said, well, I'm already on the radio. You know, he says, no, no, no. As as an on-air personality. And I was like, huh, I never actually thought about it, but it sounds like fun. He says, okay, well, you have to audition. It's like, you called me, but <laughs> you know, I, 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 he sent me a script and I read it 
and um, they're like, you got the gig. And so um, that was two and a half years ago now. And um, I got a lot of help. I had to, you know, really kind of hone in on what it's like to talk to a lot of people without seeing anybody. And how many people do you reach since you said a lot of people? I, I think it's like at any given point, it's like 100,000 people. And so, um, you know, according to the to their stats. And so um, it's it's a different thing. And everybody is at um, different different age group, different different demographics. And, you know, and you have to be able to relate. But um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And I have found like a whole new passion for it and doing voiceovers. I have to do a lot of commercials for um, for the station. And um, it's it's I enjoy it a lot. You know, um, just the being able to discover, you know, new artists, discover uh, older music that I hadn't heard before. You know, their library is just extensive. And so um, it's definitely just expanded my my view of the whole landscape of jazz okay that's a good story but i don't know why he would call you to audition you but okay (laughs) (laughs) well you know i mean he had a feeling you know because i mean we've talked on the phone before you know thank you so much for you know playing my music and that kind of thing or you know we might you know run into each other at a at an event you know, whatever, or gig, whatever. And um, he says, he said that I had a nice speaking voice, but how would that translate to, you know, an actual radio show? Because there is a technique to it, you know, I didn't realize, but there, you know, there are certain things that you have to do, you know, the way your voice rises and falls, your, the the cadence at which you speak. Um, and then of course, making sure that you get all of the the station ids and all that stuff in there and still sound natural so um yeah it's there's oh, yeah. a thing to and it for the people who don't know wclk is in atlanta georgia okay mm-hmm. so my question for that building off my previous episode why do you guys play so many jazz artists that have deceased <laughs> because i think there's more deceased ones than there are alive ones at this point Okay, but don't you think that's hurting the progression of the music? No, you know what? Um, I mean, I I don't know what everybody else plays on on their shows and everything, but um, for the most part, everybody that I play, I would say at least ninety seven percent of the people that I play still have a pulse. Okay, that's so. I can't I can't refine you that or make fun of you on that because we were saying like as much as I love kind of blues. Miles Davis passed before I was born. Oh boy. Yes. So <laughs> it's like I I get it, but do I really need to hear that so what all the time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what do you actually look for when you're playing or choosing your songs that you play? Um, I generally like uh stuff that's funky, that's got, you know, a little bit of edge to it. Um, you know, but it's also just gotta fit. I'm playing on a Saturday between 10 and 2, right? 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Oh, okay. So, um, let's think of the opposite. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So you have to think about, okay, on a Saturday, what are people doing at 
10 o'clock in the morning. Okay, they might already be out and about, you know, getting haircuts, getting, you know, running around with the kids, you know, or or working on their, you know, 15th cup of coffee. Who knows? But just know that a lot of people <laughs> are already just up and, and moving. So you don't want to put them to sleep. You know, so, you know, I, I tend to skew to more of the, the, the upper higher tempo, you know, if you will, uh, stuff. And um, you know, I might throw in a ballad from time to time, but that ballad better be like something that just really takes you there. You know, it's kind of funky and just kind of says, you know, maybe it has some bit of nostalgia to it or, um, you know, it's just a generally a, just a good song. So, um, you know, you got to well, throw it in. You can't, you can't hammer song. people the whole time. Huh? Everyone thinks they have a good song. Well, I think I have good songs. You get what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that works. <laughs> Yep. So where do you think jazz will be in 10 years? You're probably more qualified than most people because you actually have the numbers in front of you. Yeah, well, you know, I have a lot of hope. You too. <laughs> I understand that. I have hope. I have hope. I think that um, I think that if if people actually, you know, make an effort, and I mean, when I say people, I mean business people, decision makers, the musicians, everybody as a collective, the listeners, everybody as a collective needs to make, you know, a, a concentrated effort to bring up the younger generation and um, buy their albums. Buy and albums. That's not going to happen. <laughs> stream their albums and... <laughs> um, and um, put them on festivals and and book them in the clubs and stop booking the same 11 people over and over and over again um then i think that we have a shot at you know making this thing last forever you know but if you keep playing the same 11 people well not playing but booking the same 11 people over and over again you know folks are they're, they're starting to they're starting to get a little up there you know and not saying that they're you know, they haven't lost it. They still got it. You know, they still put on great shows and you know what you're going to get when you book them and people go and see them. But, um, you know, at some point they're going to stop playing and who's going to take their place. Okay. And that's why we have to make a serious effort to bring up the next generation of musicians. Well, I'm not going to beat up on that. We literally had fun beating up on that last episode. So I'm trying to be more nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> beat it up. You sure? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I really don't think these people care sometimes. <laughs> I know they have to sell seats. I understand mm -hmm. that. But yeah, and I don't want to throw any artists under the bus. But it's like I go to a festival in California. They're there. I, then I go to one in Texas, they're there. Then I go mm -hmm. to one in New Orleans, they're there. Then mm -hmm. I go up to Newport, they're there. Then mm -hmm. I go up to Canada. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Are you tired? <laughs> it's not just tired. It's just are like... You, are you tired? You telling me do there's you, nobody else? That's what I'm saying. Are you... Do you... Do you... You know, I, as much as you love seeing these same 11 people at all across the country and around the world. I have over 100 episodes. I think only one person came back twice. That's 100 well, plus mm -hmm. artists. 
and you're telling me none of them could do the performance? Trust me, all That's of them. That's what I'm saying. To do it, they need they need to put, you know, do a mixture. You know, get your your two artists that you know you know are going to fill the seats, and throw on one that you know you you're going to break out onto the world. Even if you do two you know? to one ratio, I would take yeah. that. Yes, you two known ones, and you mm-hmm. put a new person in California. I think that needs ones? to be a thing. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I really sure. don't get how some of these people that I have interviewed in the past, they're not performing this summer. I don't get it. And then they're saying, um, no, really. At a big festival, a major festival. They have gigs, mm-hmm. but I'm not. they're not headlining yeah. at, I don't know. Right. Jacksonville Jazz mm-hmm. Festival. They're not headlining mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not really that many jazz festivals when you really think about it. That's another problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's more than a few, but I mean, you know, it's, um, you know, they if they want to keep making money, they got to start bringing in new blood. Nobody's saying that you got to have all new blood, but you got to start bringing in some, you know, or else, you know, you're just, you just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. I agree with you on that. Okay. And I, I don't want to beat up that much on that anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, what is your dream project? Uh, Especially since you're independent. That's why everyone should support you and listen to your streams. Mm-hmm. If I gave you a million dollars, what would you do? Project-wise? Yes. Pro- I would I would get... This, now, now, stay with me on this. Okay. I'm pretty sure I heard worse. Just letting you know this. I would get Stevie Wonder... I would get Take Six. I would get Kathleen Battle. And maybe Marcus Miller. And just do this, this, just arrange the hell out of whatever it is that we're going to do. If you have Take Six, and do a live. Because sometimes you need a little extra. Okay. Just, you know, okay. not not everything can be acapella. That's right. You know, so um, sometimes you need a little extra stuff. But um, but that was a good question. That's a good call out. Um, yeah, but just and and the whole thing has to be live. A live recording. Live recording. Mm-hmm. In an open studio or an ISO. Hmm, it's a good question. Maybe open studio. Okay. That would be interesting yeah. to me. It would take some, it would take some coordinating, but a lot of rehearsing. But I think it would be just really special. Okay, like I said, I can't think of all those. And just so you know, the most common one that I get is when I have a bass player. They mm-hmm. want like a bass only album, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. I know bass would love that, but the rest of us would be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So what is next with you, though? Do you have the next album in works? We started working on the next album. Um, we're actually going to be working on two albums at the same time because I have been trying to get a Christmas album out, but it just seems like we only get one song done each year. So I guess that's just going to take about 10 years to make a full album just to keep doing one song a year. But... um Yeah, the next album is 
is in the works. Um, the tour schedule is starting to pick up and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to, to be traveling and to be working and working with other people. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And I also um, am looking to expand on my voiceover stuff. So, you know, all the radio stuff has inspired me to use my voice more. So. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Do a little voice acting. I know nothing about that, so I can't help you. There. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell the people where to find your album, your website, all that stuff? And then what you're on your radio, WCLK. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. 91 what? Uh, 91 what? 90.9. 91.9 in Atlanta, yep. Georgia. Yes. Or you can you can listen online too with the WCLK app or WCLK.com. Mm -hmm. Um I'm on Facebook, Reagan Whiteside Music. I'm on Instagram at Reagan Whiteside. And my website is ReaganWhiteside.com. Very simple. I like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, who has that name? Seriously. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, man, thank you for joining us. Honor. <laughs> thank and you so much for having me. And everyone, this is Leanna from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.